spend some time with the dead. On demand almost. We'd be like, hey, can you like touch the duck and make it go off? And it would just start lighting up and going crazy. Why should we be afraid of you? Hello and welcome to What Goes Bump Tonight. My name is Riley Clark and alongside me as always is Trevor Jensen. And today our special guest is Mark Smith. Ow, ow. Ow, ow. <laughs> Thanks for I having say, me. I thank you yeah. for giving us your time because I know you are a busy, busy man. Sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> but it's my pleasure. So it is a little bit different for all the listeners that are here in the chat and everything right now. Mark is actually a photographer, not of the paranormal, but of the the living variety. Correct. Mostly uh wildlife stuff. Yep. So have like I'm pretty sure I, I was looking at like IMDB and stuff like that. Have you worked with like National Geographic and done, you know, like the whole like Diddy and whatnot? Uh, no, actually, um, if there is a Mark Smith, that's a different Mark Smith that's listed. Interesting. On that's what I was wondering too, because I was yeah. like, there, there was three or four of them, and I was like, it would make sense if he did work for <laughs> National Geographic, right. being a wildlife photographer, but I don't know. Yeah, no, no. Um, and it's interesting having to battle the common name of Mark Smith, but yeah. uh, I, I've been able to kind of break free of that now. So um, most of the stuff is relevant, most of it, but there's a couple of other. Mark Smith photographers out there as well. But yeah. say hi to the fellow Mark Smith photographers if they're watching. <laughs> so where did you get your start in all this? Um, I've been taking photos basically my whole life. Uh, but I, I went through a period of time where like photography wasn't cool, like when I was in high school. Yeah. And I, I was a really small guy in high school. I didn't actually have my growth spurt until almost after high school. So I was mm-hmm. I was already picked on pretty heavily so to carry a camera around probably wouldn't have been the best thing in the yeah, world where it's like let's get stuffed in a locker today yeah no not not at all but music was a, a big thing for me so i you know i deep dove into music and learned how to play guitar and then took photos along the way the you know the whole time and then yeah did some traveling and when i did the traveling really fell in love with photography again and then uh, started doing youtube in 2017 at the request of my son actually it was his idea to kind of do what i do on youtube and i love that awesome yeah the rest is kind of history i would come home after photographing all these birds and kind of sit him down and show him what had happened and tell him kind of the story of what it was he's like dad you gotta make youtube videos of this and put them on youtube and i i was convinced that nobody would care um, but he said no these are amazing so i did yeah. one and, and it kind of took off and you know just went from there but it was it was interesting because I had this this period of time where I traveled and I moved from my home state of Florida, traveled in an RV for about nine months with my entire family, which was a, a crazy trip on in and of itself. And something yeah. I, I can only imagine. To do. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. And we ended up in Colorado and spent about three years there. And then when I came back to Florida, it was like I had a fresh set of eyes on everything that I knew so well and had so much experience with Yeah, um, that I thought was kind of normal like i've spent a lot of time outside and had a lot of really weird interactions with animals and i learned over time that a lot of these interactions i had weren't commonplace so right 
Yeah. So I, I don't know. Just started doing the stuff on YouTube and it kind of went crazy. So. Yeah, I, I will say one thing I noticed wow. about your YouTube videos is it you're a great like storyteller of what you saw that day and what you uh, photographed, which I, I love because... And it's breathtaking work. Like, it is awe-inspiring. Because just like... <laughs> Just like us, every day is a different episode for these mm -hmm. these animals. You know, they never know what they're gonna encounter, what's gonna happen to them. They could face life or death that day. Yeah, it's on so. a dime every day. Yeah, and many times they do. I mean, they it's a it's a constant struggle, and tuning into it uh, can be very humbling and make you realize just how easy you might have it, even if you're having a really bad day. Um, you can see kind of the struggles they go through eh, you know i don't have it that bad you know maybe my ac not working today is not that big a deal yeah at least i have <laughs> things food, in perspective. You know? yeah exactly it, uh, it can be very helpful in that regard and i think sometimes too people you know a lot of people live in big cities and stuff so they don't get a chance to maybe experience you know this wild wildlife firsthand and get to see how animals are on a day-to-day -day basis but i mean oh, people yeah. out, people like you out there that document these things and put them out there for the world to see is like awesome. Like I'm, I was a big animal planet person, like growing up as a yeah, kid. Me too. I, I had national geographic coming to my house every, every month. I had every single mm. animal book you could ever imagine. The earth yeah. itself is just incredible. Like the sure. amount of like differential, like when you go to different regions of the world and you see the different types of animals that inhabit those places, it's like, Oh my, like that's <laughs> a thing. Like, what is this? Yeah. Yeah. And then, it, like, if you can get in the middle of some of these, like, oh no, <laughs> oh no, we lost him. He'll be back. back to see when that 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 kind of stuff happens. Um, mm. it, like, there's a place we go in Canada every summer where they have this natural phenomenon that that I don't think it happens anywhere else on on the planet. And it's, I, I can describe it as much as I want. I can tell you about it, but until you put somebody in the middle of it, you really yeah. you don't experience it until you're there. But it's it's interesting. There's um, they have a really uh, strong tidal surge there. It, the tide comes in with like a 14 foot surge. Wow. And, yeah, and it's it's not it's not like you would think it is. It it you feel more like you're in a on a river. It's like because it's, really? it's flat, but it comes in through this this like narrow area, and um, they call it they actually call it the flood. It comes in so strong, and what happens? It it comes into this deep channel of water that's about a thousand feet deep. And okay. at this time of year, there's a school of fish called hake that are migrating through this deep channel of water. And they get stuck in these upwells and they get rushed to the surface and they get barotrauma or uh, we would call it the bins and humans. But basically yeah. the, the air inside of them expands and they, their air bladder, which keeps them like neutrally buoyant under the surface, mm. fills up and they get stuck on the surface of the water. And there are bald eagles there waiting for them. And oh. the bald eagles at times, they, they can be in, in the numbers of three or 400 at once. And wow, you're kind of, in the, it's, it's really hard to, to put it into perspective until you're there. But there's an island where all these eagles sit. And the moment the first fish pops up, one eagle jumps off and then they're everywhere. It's like the only thing I can really relate it to is if you've ever been to the beach and somebody's been feeding gulls and they throw like yep. a handful of popcorn and suddenly gulls descend upon them. Yep. It's like that, but they're bald eagles. And some of them have wingspans like as wide as eight feet. So yep. to be in the, the middle of this and they're coming in at 50 miles an hour from every direction. And it, it's with like two inch blades too. Yeah. And like it's yeah. daggers on their face. <laughs> 
Yeah. And, and they, they, they literally disregard you. Like I've, I, you know, you have to do it all from a boat, but I've been hanging out of the boat trying to video one. And suddenly I realized he's coming, he's coming. It's really close. Oh shit. I got to move. And if I don't move, he's going to run into me. They, they like, damn that hyper. It's, it's, it's intense to watch, but that's what I, you know, was trying to say is like some of these moments to be like thrust into the middle of them. It's just, it's hard to believe really, really hard to believe, but really cool at the same time. Yeah. It honestly sounds like a something straight out of a movie. Cause it's like, where, where else are you going to experience that other than going and doing that stuff? Like granted, yeah, yeah YouTube, it does it, it does its diligence, but like you won't understand that feeling until you're out there. Yeah. And the, the eagle behavior there too is really unique. The, the fish are somewhat small. And a lot of times there's so many of them, the eagles will come down, they'll grab the fish. And then as they're flying up, they'll stuff the fish down their throat whole and swallow it whole. Holy and then shit. come down and grab another one. And they just, it's a feast or famine. And towards the end of one of these frenzies, it's not unusual to see an eagle kind of open its mouth to shove a fish in and a fish is just swallowed fall out because they just have so many stuffed in their throat. They just indulge. That's oh, they, yeah, they have to because, you know, it's, it's a tidal surge and they, they understand it's feast or famine. And there's no, there's no organization to it at all. They come from every direction. And, and a lot of times yeah. they crash into each other and get in, you know, end up in the water and the water's about 40 degrees Fahrenheit. So they don't, like if they stay yeah. in the water for a little, you know, for a long time, they're not going to survive. So, um, but that's another weird thing about doing all of this in, in wildlife photography is, is not like interfering with that natural process. As yeah, hard as it exactly. is, yeah, I can understand. Two eagles like collide, and and you know that oh, they might not make it. That's just kind of part of the process there, and that's you got to kind of let it go. So yeah, like your conscience wants to go pick them up and like get them out of the water, but at the same time, it's like this is natural. Like this yeah. is completely natural. Exactly. Yeah. It, it's not like, you know, it got tangled in fishing line and, you know, yep. it's the cause of a human where you can, you know, try to help it. This is totally natural. It's part of the process and you just got to like kind of let it go. And that's, that's hard to do sometimes, you know, I especially bet. when it's something small and cute that's getting taken by another animal. A lot of people have a hard time with it. Right. If like, say you're filming like a, a fox or something like devouring a rabbit, like that's just, like that's rabbit. just that, that, <laughs> yeah. that, that, it happens. Like it just does. Like there's nothing you yeah. can do about it. You have well, to let I, the fox eat. Yeah. I, I saw something this summer. There's a, a place in Washington state where there's islands where they brought rabbits in. The rabbits did what rabbits do, got out of control. Yep, so they brought really. foxes into the island to control the rabbits. And now the, the eagles come in and take the foxes. But it's not unusual to see a fox with a rabbit and then an eagle come try to steal the rabbit from the fox. That That's crazy to watch. Really crazy. <laughs> that sounds <laughs> insane. Yeah, it's like, like a whole different You don't even think of that level. type of competition. Like, it's, it's that real. Like, life or death yeah. is that real to animals. I like, mean, like, think about it, man. Like, eagles are apex predators. Like, they don't fear nothing. How often yeah. would you say that when you go out and do these wildlife shoots that you're, you know, like, you're in situations where it's almost dangerous. Ooh, um, I try to minimize the dangers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I mean, there's always, always a possibility. Um, yeah, there's always I, the element. Yeah. I would say the one with the Eagles is probably for me the most dangerous, but mm. not because of the Eagles, but because of the, the turbulent water. It's the, yeah. I think the second deadliest ocean rapids in the world. 
Um, wow. So you have to have yeah. a lot of faith in your in your guide and, and your boat guys. Mm-hmm. And I do. They know what they're doing and they keep us in a safe spot. Um, but to see it, it's a different story to be out there on the water. It can be a little stressful sometimes. Um, yeah. But like, as far as the animals, like um, I, I tend to stay away from like the larger predatory animals if I can. Right. <laughs> just yeah. I don't want yeah, to be a happy to just run into them. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, being a Floridian born and raised, uh, alligators are like here everywhere. And, uh, you know, when I have a lot of people come down here, they'll do like workshops with me. I, you kind of have to tell them a little bit of alligator rules, but these are things yeah. that I've lived with. So to me, that's just like common sense. Yeah. Where it's I like, just don't go in there, dog. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I understand, but people that have never been around alligators might not understand, you know, there's just a mm-hmm. few, few things you don't do, you know? So right. I have to kind of educate them on all of that stuff and um, hope for the best, but we haven't lost anybody yet. So no, <laughs> thank no God. <laughs> What would you say is your your favorite animal to photography? Take pictures uh, <laughs> to photography. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd say the ospreys. They, uh, Osprey. yeah, they're amazing at, at what they do. You know, um, they come from the air and, and dive into the water, and oftentimes pull fish out bigger than themselves and and fly away with them. And you know, it, I've thought about this a lot because it, it, it's weird. It's it's easy to be kind of a speciesist in this regard, like I can see an osprey fly away with a fish and I'm like, Oh my God, that was amazing. And I don't really think about the poor fish. And a, right. a, a lot of people do. And I, I mean, I, I do in the same, I'm like, Oh, that sucks to be the fish. But then I try to wrap it in a different way. Maybe just maybe I eat fish. <laughs> yeah. Well, but maybe to the fish, this is like ascending to the higher level of Ooh. their next plane of existence. Maybe they're like, like if you've seen Toy Story when the little guys yeah. were taken out of the crane machine, maybe the ah. fish is like, we've been chosen, you know, and, they, <laughs> and, and they're happily being flown away to some other dimension. And if you think about it too, um, I'm trying to think who I heard describe this once. I think it was Neil deGrasse Tyson was trying to yeah. describe different dimensions. So to a fish, I don't, I don't know. I don't think they're all that aware of what's happening outside of the water. Like say if you're in the ocean, Right. So suddenly they get ripped out of their element and thrust into a different dimension by some creature they might not even know ever existed. Yeah. To think about it that way is oh. kind of interesting. Um, that is it makes wild. Me think, yeah. It, you know, I I was photographing these tiny little aphids one day on on a flower. I mean, they're like, like the size of a, a needle, the tip of a needle. Hmm. And as I'm watching these tiny little insects on this on this flower, I realized they had no concept of my existence around them at least that i could tell you know there was no signs that they even knew that i was there yeah and as i'm photographing these i started to wonder well what's like behind me watching me that i'm not even aware of you know so yeah, I kind like, of looked when does that like chain stop <laughs> yeah, right exactly i mean so i don't know there's interesting concepts to all of that like that you i don't know you could say some of it it might be supernatural but we're probably um, granular on the whole grand scheme of things anyway like we're we have right? to be the smallest dust particles Sure. Yeah. In the like grand the, uh, things we are. Yeah. Which movie was that? Was that Men in Black that that was like the water droplet, or was that War of the Worlds? I think it was War of the Worlds, where they, they might panned out of water. Yeah. Hmm. Yep. Yeah, it's it's so fascinating to me. That that yeah. is an interesting thought. Though. I never thought about like from the like animals' point of mind, like what are they thinking? Because like if there are animals like deer, deer are depending on their living environment 
are conscious of humans. Sure. Most of them, if they're not city deer, are going to relate humans with danger. But does a tick living on a deer think, oh, there's a whole world outside of this deer? And then yeah, the, right. the microbes that are living on the tick know that there's a tick on a deer living on a planet. Right, right, oh, yeah. It's so fucking wild to me. <laughs> Interesting stuff, for sure. So what's the farthest that you've traveled before to do some some photographies? Hmm. I would say probably the place that we go in Canada, just... Um, I know it doesn't sound far, but I think distance-wise, I think it's the furthest. Yeah. I don't know, maybe Africa. I've done Africa too. I think oh, it would be wow. close, close tied to the to the distance. The trip to Africa is interesting. Um, you you got to do a lot of different flights. <laughs> I bet and, a lot of like, connect fly for almost. Yeah, you fly for like a day, and then you have jet lag of like seven hours, and it's kind of hard to adjust. But Africa is. Uh, definitely a trip that i think everybody should take at least once in their life it's uh you see all these animals on television and like you're saying you, you saw them in the magazines and stuff but to actually be in like the same space as them is a completely different story they're all way different looking and bigger than you would think right um, oh 100 and when i went we uh we saw a lion uh, a pair of female lions on a kill and that's like I've seen that on television, you know, and uh, documentaries countless times, and it's it's hard to watch. But I I can tell you, like, to see that in person yeah. is absolutely horrific. It's one of the the, the most horrific things I've ever experienced. And I'm sure it's super it's loud. It it is, and it's loud. The the lion roar. It, it's like it sounds like it's on a PA system. They're, I mean, Damn. trees are breaking, and and whatever they're catching is screaming. And the death process is not fast. It's a slow yeah. 25 minute ordeal. And it's interesting, the the guides in Africa, it's actually a rare thing to see lions take something. It doesn't happen a lot. So when it does, they're really proud and they want they want to share the moment with like all of their clients. So they literally yeah. drive right on top of them. I mean, you're like 10 feet Holy from shit. this lion that's like in the middle of like, uh, just like, you can see it in his eyes. It's like glazed. Yeah, over. where it's like this is food. Lions. Yeah, and it's 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 scary, but it's uh, it's it's humbling too because yeah, you know, you see like like it was a good lesson for me. I when when we saw it happen, I even said to the guy, "Is like, hey, like we're a little too close, and this is kind of uncomfortable." And he's like, "No, you, you just gotta watch. You you have to you have to see the whole process." And, and yeah, this part is of it the is, full circle. Yeah, part of it is, is is the you know the graphic death of this animal. And he said, "Just wait." So we waited, and um, you know they finally killed this uh, cre- creature. It's like a kind of like a giant elk. It was called a kudu, yeah, and they disappeared. Crazy. And they came back with the cubs, and you know the cubs come bounding in, and the guy's like, "You like the cubs, right?" And I was like, "Oh yeah, everybody likes the cubs." And he goes, "Well, then you have to understand and appreciate this. This is what feeds them. That's and if you want these point. cubs to be here." you have to understand this is the process. And I was like, ah, you're right. And so it was, it was hardcore though. I, I tell you, I've, I've never experienced anything like that. Yeah. Anymore. It's probably not wow. for the faint of heart for real. No, not, not at all. Not at all. But definitely a good experience too. Yeah. I think it's always like, especially like paranormal too. We always tell everybody like it's worth trying at least once. And it's like, <laughs> you should definitely go out and experience these things at least one time. So you have your own opinion about it. Sure. Definitely. 
Uh, we, uh, you know, I, I go all over the place and we see some interesting stuff. And I had a, a client, the husband and wife in Colorado, and um, they ended up becoming really good friends. And I, I tell a lot of people this story because it's it's funny and supernatural, like to the core and yeah. just weird at the same time. So it was a husband and wife. The husband is doesn't believe in ghosts or spirits or anything like that. Just they flatline nothing. No, yeah. that just it's not a thing. The wife is the opposite. She's all into it. She's spiritual. <laughs> she she there's ghosts, all of this stuff. So she says she wants to see some ghost towns. So we oh perfect. We know some great ghost towns up high in the mountains. And um, my son is a wealth of knowledge on this stuff because he loves the supernatural. Oh, so yeah. we go to this one tiny ghost town. I think we're you, you got to take a really crazy mountain road to get up there. It's really sketchy just to get there. Oh yeah. And the town is called Ironton, and there's still all of the buildings exist to this day. And the mysterious part about some of these towns is they were inhabited, and then one day they weren't. And there's not really any record as to why oh. they were abandoned or any stuff like that. Yeah. It's, it's kind of weird. So it's interesting to know too that in Colorado in the summer it rarely ever rains. So we get to this ghost town, and it just starts pouring and i mean lightning oh, hardcore and yep. i'm like uh I, you know let's seek shelter inside one of the ghost town buildings like there's this prominent whitewashed building in the middle of the place I, let's, yeah. just go, let's just go in there so we go in there and of course there's no there's no power in there because there's no power to these places so you're you're in yeah. this old house that's like abandoned and I was like, well, while we're here, we might as well explore. You know, it's, it's raining, and it's, it's like a, the perfect set for, a, a like, a horror movie. The, the oh, rain, yeah. the lightning flashing oh. occasionally so you can see inside the house. And the first place we go is this side room. And I had, a at the time, I had a tiny little flip phone. I don't even think we had, like, decent phones back then with a tiny yeah. flashlight. And as I'm going in the back room, the, the wife is kind of behind me on this side, and my son is mm. behind me on this side. And I can see something on the other side of the room – this like uh, shiny and gelatinous. And I'm like, well, what the hell is that? And I'm like, I'm drawn to this, whatever it is on this wall. And yeah. as we're getting closer and closer, the woman next to me, um, she's going, I think we should turn around. I think we should turn around. Let's <laughs> yeah, let's, let's stop. And then my son is doing the same thing. And I'm just compelled to get closer and closer. And as we get closer and closer, I can see the wall has like a built-in cupboard that was still there like it was part of the wall system and yeah. there's like this, this black almost like shiny gel like just pouring Ooh. out of the out of the cupboard and i'm looking at it going oh my god what, the what hell is that, is that? <laughs> but i'm still compelled like to reach up and i gotta open this cupboard so they're still like it it, it was like an episode of scooby-doo like they're both behind me going no no and i'm going yes yes and i reach up <laughs> and i open this cupboard and all of this like black goo just goes pouring out all over the floor. And I, I look back at both of them and the husband who is non-believer has never come in the room and he's standing in the doorway and I can just see a silhouette and I hear him go, I think we should leave now. Oh. <laughs> he was, like he, he'd had enough. Right. So I was like, yeah, I, yeah. I think so. I don't know what this is. I, I, I can't scientifically explain it. Like my brain at this point is like, I don't know. I don't know what this is. It's time to leave. So we leave and we end up like having to come down this mountain. And as we're coming down the mountain, I look over to the right and the entire right side of the mountain shifts and starts to come down as a mudslide. And the mudslide is running parallel to us, but maybe 10 feet behind us. 
And these two people that I'm with have no idea that this mudslide is coming. Oh my and God. It, it is, I'm trying to outrun it going down this stupid road and the mudslide passes behind us, blocks the entire road for like five hours. And we just barely made it out of there. But the weird thing was my son and I were so like enamored with this experience. We're like, we got to go back to Ironton, like when they yeah. clear the road. So we went back like a week later, you know, sunny day, all lit up, went into that same room there was nothing. There's not one sign of any kind of black goo. I, we went and opened the cupboard in the cabinet. That's there was nothing. And him and I are like, I we don't know what the hell. <laughs> yeah, nobody would have went and cleaned that up either. I no, don't I think don't, no, I don't know what they would have cleaned up anything. <laughs> I don't know how they would have. It was like, it was a lot of stuff that came out of this cabinet. Was it like a thicker, like syrupy looking, like viscous liquid too? Or was it like flowing like actual water? No, no, it was thick. It was like slimy. Huh. Yeah, and it, it was so black, but, but it had like a sheen to it, you know, like like yeah. oily into it. So, yeah, yeah it like, was uh, wild. wild. Like, it was very weird. <laughs> so that, that was my supernatural experience, and for in photography, I think the only one that I can recall. <laughs> yeah, no, but it that's was pretty, really interesting. Pretty intense, yeah. It sounds super. Yeah, and especially with the weather being the way it was too, where it's like that's an oddity in itself. But like we have a, a theory where it's like lightning and certain like certain weather patterns or certain you know forecasts that just have a tendency to like help the spiritual pressures or like the energy levels. Yeah, some of the the craziest nights we've had paranormal investigating were because of thunderstorms. Yeah, or we had heat lightning that like, night and it was like, why is all this happening just today? You know, like the most common theory in the paranormal world is that it's electrical magnetic energy. So like lightning would just create more of that mm. in the atmosphere already. So it makes sense that if there were spirits that use that to harvest it, to manifest or whatever like sure storms should be like that perfect agreed yeah plus it just makes it for a really cool mood too yeah <laughs> exactly yeah when you got the the only light is the the light from the lightning yeah yeah it's a little yeah, black masses coming out of cabinets oh <laughs> no <laughs> yeah i don't know so Kinda how crazy. long do you spend out in the woods when you do these uh these shoots and whatnot uh, that that varies too like um yeah. so it if i go here at, at home i just go for like the morning or you know up yeah. until noon and then and come back but some of these things are a week at a time maybe longer it just depends on the location and and like if it's a group setting how long is comfortable and how long will give them you know the right amount of time to get whatever it is we're trying to find um, right the last group we did was in costa rica we did two groups and each group i think was eight days um two days of travel and then five days of steady you know i would say almost 12 hour a day you know yeah going out and taking photographs and stuff so yeah, it, it just, it's, yeah it just depends on like where you are like the place in canada that's a five-day adventure you, you show up on a monday and leave on a friday and you have to fly in on a tiny little plane that literally lands on the water and flies right up to the lodge. Mm. And then um, you just go with the tides to, you know, to get that what they call the Eagle show. So, but that's a, it can be tiring too um, for people, you know, five or six days of that for 12 hours is, can be a lot to always worth it though. What would you say that your like favorite American location would be to, to go and photograph? 
Uh, besides Florida, I would say the Pacific Northwest. Oh, anywhere. I can see that for sure. For the sure. mountains and everything. Yeah, it's beautiful over there. Um, I, I'm particularly fond of like the Seattle area and outside of Seattle. Um, just something about the, if you've never been to the city of Seattle, it's actually really cool. Everybody's very expressive and alternative and not mm. afraid of what people might think of them if they have a piercing or pink hair. Right. So it's, it's kind of cool to see that that mentality of and uh, freedom of speech out there. So very alternative yeah. place uh, and good music too. I'm a big music fan. So oh yeah, hell yeah, Seattle's so got a great music scene for sure. What's your favorite band? Oh, that varies honestly day to day. Yeah. Oh man, I don't know that 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 would take a little bit of time. What, what's your vibe? What's today? right now? What's, yeah. What's, what's the vibe today's today? vibe? What's today's vibe? <laughs> Uh, well, today's vibe was like all, all heavy stuff. Um, <laughs> like, all right. like, like from Slipknot to Chevelle. Yep. Oh, let's go. Yeah. 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 Today was more of an aggressive day. <laughs> I felt that. Aggressive Wednesdays. Sure. I like it. Yeah. I <laughs> mean, but I, home somehow. I also like some of the more mellow stuff and, um, I can't think of any of the people's names. Like Spotify has been such a, for me, it's been such a, I don't know, a game changer for music because it's good at suggesting things that I like. Yeah, I've and noticed that it's been really good for me about it too. Yeah, I've seen my music yeah. like tastes change over the past few years of using using Spotify just because oh, I'm yeah. getting to know new artists that I would never even known existed, which is awesome. Yeah. My library yeah. consists of like bluegrass, rap, EDM. Yeah, I'm all over the You map. know, like country, like uh, everything. Every type of music I've touched. <laughs> yeah, same. Yeah, Um I think it's cool too, like with Spotify, how it will give you kind of a recap of your year. And it's always surprising. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I didn't realize I listened to this that much, you know, to exactly. go from year to year. I've been using Spotify for like, I think four years now. So it's like a, it's a neat little time capsule to see all of these different right. things that you listen to at the time. So. Yeah, you can see the evolution of where you were from there to here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm not much in the bluegrass, but there is a band I like that I think is bluegrass, but I don't know if they consider themselves that, but the band's name is Poor Man's Poison. Yeah. They're very good. Um, they they got kind of like a hard edge and, mm. I don't know, to, to their music. It's really cool. There's something about a banjo that always gets me. I'm yeah. I, I like the mandolin. The mandolin's nice. Mm. Mandolin, yeah. yeah. I wish I was more musical, honestly. I tried to play piano as a kid, but like, there was just something about having to read the musical notes and then remember what key is which when it like triples itself. It's like, ah, oh, fuck, dude. Yeah. A lot. That's too much work. Yeah. And then I was like, yeah. I'll just play hockey and do sports. <laughs> That's cool, too. That all works. I, I've played guitar for a very, very long time since I was 13, but I don't read music um, for the same reason. It was just too much of a, of a headache and but I learned to develop my ear really quickly and I can just play everything by ear. That's, that's impressive though. Like that is really impressive. It, uh, it kind of comes natural. If you, if you listen to music a lot and then you play an instrument, you can kind of start to see like, like mm-hmm. if I listen to guitar, I can see on the guitar neck what they're doing and oftentimes just pick it up because I can see it in my mind. Like, Oh yeah, I know what they're doing. Just, just start yeah. Are you almost like able to like turn off the other sounds too? And then just like, just hear the, like that line. Because yeah. I know some people that do the drums, you know, like they'll hear the drum line and everything else will just turn off for them. And they just hear yeah. It's like, yeah, that's crazy, sure. dude. Yeah. The interesting part is when you can actually start to pick out 
individual uh, harmony lines of like layered mm. harmonies. That's when it starts to get really interesting. Because a lot of times when they blend them together, you can't tell that it's actually two different ones, yeah. two different notes blended together. But when you start to hear all of those harmony lines, um, it becomes very interesting. I know in a lot of singing, a, a lot of it goes by the wayside. Like you tune out the harmonies, but if you listen yeah. really close, you can start to hear a lot of those. Yeah, I love how just beautifully artistic it is. Like cinematography, photography, music, all of it. It's such an expressive art form. And I it is my favorite thing in the world that we can enjoy some of these masterpieces that people have made. Like, oh, it's yeah, so definitely. interesting to me that you can take so many different things and then it just comes together in such a masterful way that it's like you can't recreate these things. You just can't. These are yeah. moments in history that will live forever. Yeah, definitely. There's a uh, a scene in Tarantino's movie, and I always get the name of the movie wrong, but it was uh, Once Upon a Time in America, or I don't in know. Hollywood? Whatever. In Hollywood, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's a scene in that where the camera kind of comes up over this hill, and you, and you see Brad Pitt's character driving up, and as it comes up, uh, DiCaprio's character is in a pool, and then the camera oh, comes yeah. over the house, and then... Uh, whatever her name is, comes out the door with her boyfriend at the time. Yep. And I remember like watching that scene going, damn, that, how did they do that? And then there's a behind the scenes part where they show it. And Tarantino's like, he's a master at what he does. And he's also a master at knowing the right people to get the job done that he wants yeah. done. And so he had the, this guy that's worked with him forever. And the guy's like, Oh, I know exactly how to do that. We just need a crane. We can do it all in one take. Wow. And I, I, and they did, they showed, he did it all in one take. And I was like, how, the, the like everybody's got to be right like perfect like the car coming up DiCaprio the yeah, if it's a millimeter off the whole shot's off it's gone yeah and then and then to deal with light also and all of the scenes that they're shooting because you know they yeah. have to add a lot of ambient light and all that stuff so so much has to come together for that little three second clip it's not mm -hmm. it's crazy the amount of effort they put into that stuff and it looks so good yeah, it always blows my mind because it's the, like the it, things the you amount can do of work. with the video camera and someone's mind. Yeah, and like crazy. Some of the ways that people can edit these things together, like especially if you can't do it in one shot because it's just physically not possible. It's like some people are masters at like seeing that like end product in their head and they're like, oh, all we got to do is here, here and here. And then it just yeah. flows like it never was cut in a, anything. You know, it was just one shot that continues. But realistically, they shot that four or five different times in different places. Like, how, yeah. man? That's so <laughs> wild. <laughs> it's amazing. I, I agree you with you. It's a great people art. People to be able to act and do the same thing exactly the same over and over again until the acting is right. itself is also super interesting because it's like I we like we'll try to do like little like skits and things like that and play characters to read and stuff. And it's like I, that is actually kind of hard to do. <laughs> like i'm yeah. not gonna lie <laughs> yeah for sure i don't know how they do like full movies and stuff you know mm. um, especially method actors yeah the joker movie um who whatever the what's his name um, joaquin Phoenix. yeah joaquin yeah. yeah they said when he was punching the time clock he did it in in method acting and he hit it so hard that he literally did break his hand i don't know he, like, he went that hard yeah, yeah, I don't doubt that. There's a a scene in uh, another Tarantino movie, uh, Django Unchained, where DiCaprio slams like this glass, I think it was like a glass mug or a dish down on the table. 
yeah and and cut the shit out of his hand not oh, yeah. you know unintentionally and it, it's funny they're like interviewing quentin tarantino afterwards and he's like he's behind the camera watching this all happen and then when DiCaprio holds his hand up and it's all bloody, he like kind of looks from the side of the camera. He's like, what's going on? Oh my God. That's keep going. That's great stuff. Yeah. yeah, Don't stop. So it's interesting when that kind of stuff happens and makes it into the film, Mm -hmm. makes it all more believable. Yeah. It's, I mean, same thing with like how you do your wildlife photography, where it's like, you almost have to like catch lightning in a bottle to see some of these things that you get to see. Yeah. Yeah. Or understand the animals really well. And then it's true. But Mm -hmm. It's very similar in, in that regard that like a lot has to come into play for it to mm. to be uh, viewable, I would say, you know. Right. The, the animals, you know, they, they got to eat every day. Um, but to capture them doing like these life things like eating isn't always uh, isn't always easy. Like today is a good example. You know, I went out to the place where we always go and um for whatever reason all the birds went about a mile away to a place that was not accessible so it's like yeah, yeah that's they've got their own agenda today they're not yeah, gonna just come hang out yeah i mean yeah. the same thing with hunting like i know yeah, a yeah. lot of hunters will sit out in the woods and they'll be like i didn't see a single thing today and then other times they'll right. be like i sat out there and saw a shit ton of wildlife <laughs> right yep. yeah i've definitely yeah. had those dates in the woods <laughs> like, <laughs> it, it's crazy because like you know like i have basically a farm that i hunt and deer are very patternable animals they they're very much of an animal of routine yeah until something gets in front of that routine whether it be a new food source arriving because of the change of the seasons or you know snow coming so they go to the next like nutrient source so they'll change their pattern or hunting pressure will make them change their pattern the wind like there's so many different variables that like determine what this animal is going to do daily just like sure. how things determine our own lives so it's crazy like we have such a a contrast with each other we don't really even realize it yeah i agree with that too because like we wake up they wake up first thing they want to do is eat usually the first thing we want to do is eat or get some coffee or something to provide us energy <laughs> you know so like we're 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 both we're both animals you know like we're not too far apart from, we live in our habits yeah <laughs> yeah for sure yeah there's a lot of parallels. There is a lot of parallels. Yeah. That's why Definitely. I think the animal kingdom is so interesting. Cause like all of these different animals and we don't even know every single species that that's is also on the crazy planet. Thing. Have you ever come across an animal that's like super rare at all? Yeah. Um, quite often. <laughs> so maybe it's not so rare, but no. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it, things happen sometimes that bring animals closer. Like usually, uh, Either, either you go looking for it, or maybe like weather or something would change stuff up to bring yeah. weird stuff around. So. Yeah, I always Especially, think it would be really interesting to like do the Congo or like you know like go to like a rainforest where it's like either deforestation is causing movements and and like you might stumble upon something you've never seen, or just the fact that it's untouched territory. Like sure. it just sounds wild. Yeah, I mean, there's places like that even in the you know in the states there pretty wild um and in costa rica we you know we do some of that stuff uh some of the places you go into the jungle are are pretty wild uh, my favorite place is uh where we went is they call it the cloud forest because you're up really high on, on this mountainside oh. in the clouds yeah. and it's it's like you're in a different country at that point um i think we were at about nine thousand feet 
And there, there's a specific species of bird that people want to see there called the resplendent quetzal. And it's this crazy, crazy bird with like a three foot long green tail and like a bright red body and a green head. And it doesn't even look real when you see them, but they're almost mystical in a sense that they don't come out in the sun. Um, they feel vulnerable. So as soon as these clouds kind of come in and, and shroud you in fog, they, yeah. they kind of just come out of nowhere. It's, it's really wild. Um, but God, they're amazing. Oh, they, they are, they're unreal. Um, and it, some of these things like, and that's a good example. It is, it looks like you're looking at like a Jim Henson animatronic creation when, when you see him come out and yeah, they, they regard you in a completely different way. These birds, they, they just really slowly kind of look and give you the side eye and they just check you out real slow. And then they're like, all right, you're cool. And then they go about their business. But <laughs> it's, it's weird just to see them and their behaviors. It's just so different. Then, like I said, the fact that they prefer to come out in the mist, it's like the, the mist kind of comes in and here they come too with it. It's really, really interesting behavior. That is interesting. I've never yeah, even heard it of sounds, that. It crazy. sounds so just beautiful though, like be up above the clouds and just like the scenery too. And then it's like, not only that, you get to experience these like animals that are just like, all right, cool. I'm just going to do me. But like, yeah. Well, I would never have even known this had I not talked to you now. Because what? <laughs> they're, they're neat looking birds. Um, I know at one time I, I think they were you know hunted because people wanted the feathers and stuff, but they're they're yeah. protected. That's, that's a tragedy the, in it too. Yeah, but that's also one of the cool things about doing this kind of stuff is um, it, it it's kind of like the ripple effect. Like you know, so I, mm. I might I might be able to go to this place and see this bird, but then I can bring back some incredible footage and then share it and then suddenly all these people are now aware of this bird yeah. and, it, and it brings it brings like a, a different level of awareness yeah the conservation the is there animals. now yeah and, and then people are like oh i, I kind of want to protect this because i want to go see it and so then they're, they're more apt yeah they're more apt to want to protect it and it's interesting like the local economy there these birds are up high and they eat only an avocado at this time of year. And the avocado is about the size wow. of an olive. It's really small. And it grows on these these trees. And the place where we go, the guy is a farmer. He bought this hillside, you know, on the side of the mountain. And he had this huge olive, not olive, this huge avocado tree. And it was taking up so much space on his farm, he was going to cut it down because he couldn't grow his crops. Oh, and when he shoot. saw this bird, he saw the bird come in there. And he's like, well, maybe I should keep the tree. And this was many, many years ago. And now uh, he's smart. Now he's he brings groups of people in, you know, charges them a lot of money into his property because these birds come in and feed on this tree that he almost cut down. So now he makes more money off of ecotourism than he does off of farming wow. because he kept everything the way it was instead of tearing it down. So it's yeah. kind of a cool twist. I, I, I love really that, cool twist, actually. actually. Yeah. Yeah, where it's like it all works out for everybody in the end, too, where it's like not only yeah. do the birds get like their ecosystem not being inhibited, but like he's also profiting off of it, which I'm not not saying like we should monopolize these things and like, like, <laughs> yeah, you know, like no. start gouging. But like, it's really cool to see that, like, like people are actually, you know, like benefiting from these things, too, where it's like he made a decision, like the decision was his to make at the end of the day, and he chose the right yeah. one, apparently. Yeah. And he has, uh, it's interesting. He has some restraint. He only works with mm -hmm. two or three outfits. He won't let a bunch of people come up there and he only lets a, a few people at a time. He, he limits it. 
And there, there are literally tour buses coming through there with 20, 30 people piling out of the bus in the middle of these mountain roads looking for this bird. If they only knew <laughs> just yeah, a little further away. On this guy's an avocado little... tree. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, it, but it's, it's cool. Like when we were there, there was also an opportunity where our, our guide got a call from another guy and the guy's like, Hey, I've got a small avocado tree in my front yard and a Kessel showed up yesterday. It's literally like on my front porch and this bird is so rare. People will go to Costa Rica for years and never see it. Wow. So this this guy calls my guy and he's like, do you want to bring your people here? And he's like, definitely. So it's neat. So we go to this, this guy's literally his house and 10 feet from his front porch is this bird just sitting in the rain. So beautiful. And it's, it's a, again, it's an interesting process to see because we give this guy money to come onto his property. He now Mm. sees that bird as valuable. So he's going to do everything he can to protect that bird and the environment in which it exists. So it's kind of a cool way of how it all works. And that guy's experience, that bird will be in his yard for like five or six days until it eats all of the fruit off of his avocado tree. And then it'll be gone. Yep. So he just has this short opportunity. But now you can see he's like, I need more avocado trees, which is like a natural plant up there. We should put more of these because then more of these birds will come and maybe I can make some more money. So <laughs> it's a it's a cool process how it all kind of pans out. Yeah, for sure. Like that's that is really interesting because, I mean, you never would think that a bird would make you money that's not your own bird you know yeah, like yeah at least to, to me i would never have thought about that sure yeah it's like yeah. i got this rare rabbit but uh, you know like the rabbit's 800 pounds <laughs> but it only comes around at night and it eats all of my carrots <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, it's uh it's cool it's neat to see um how they uh, kind of celebrate it all down there Man. Well, if you don't mind, I do actually have a clip of yours that I pulled up that I really liked. Yeah, well, let's give the people so we can give, a little taste. Give the people a little oh. taste of <laughs> what you, uh, right. you produce here. Sure. Uh, this was one that you posted like a year ago about some foxes. You, you probably remember it. Oh, yeah. That's where the foxes and the eagles fight. So cool. I kind of jumped ahead here. It's the perfect backdrop for this. The red foxes. And as luck would have it, this fox isn't alone. It has a mate. That's adorable. Hey, they're cool animals. It's not often that I get to photograph animals with mountain ranges in the background and flower-filled meadows in the foreground, so I take this opportunity to grab a few shots. And of course, these two beauties make every single shot worthwhile, with nonstop playful antics that are sure to make anyone smile. And you can see every little aspect of the fur too. Like it's incredible. And I think this soft boop on the nose means tag you're it because these two are off again. It is a sheer joy to watch these two frolicking in the grass. But hey, wait, where did they go? Let's take a closer look. This might look like a fight, but it isn't. These two are just having a good time, and you can kind of tell in this shot. I think the fox in the back is saying, hey, what you got down there? And the other, well, it has stopped to smell the beautiful purple lupine flowers that are starting to bloom. That's right. Even the foxes know that sometimes you have to stop and smell the flowers. But something has grabbed the other fox's attention. Is it friend 
or foe. All the little babies. They're fun. Are we back? Cool. Are we back? <laughs> we like that for a second. Hard second. We had a blip there. <laughs> yeah. Whoopsie daisy. But I just I just love that that capture that you have there. It's so it, incredible. It shows the in its in innocence of the fox and it's yeah. like curiosity. How far away are you in those shots? You know, like football field longer, you know? Um, I would say the ones in the beginning when they were on the ridge were, were pretty far away. Um yeah. the other one, the others were obviously much, much closer. Um, those fox are somewhat, they're habituated and they're used to humans. And there's actually a, a group of people close by that live in homes that feed those foxes, which is not a good thing. Um, right. But so they're, they're very used to humans. And I, I think like most situations, like if, if you just kind of sit and relax and don't pose a threat, especially to these foxes that are kind of used to humans around, they, they kind of ignore you and, and go about their business. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I mean, like, granted, StreamYard does dull down the quality to 720p, but like, mm. those are like some of the most beautiful shots that I've ever seen of the oh, sort. Like, you can see every aspect of like the animal itself. Like, you can see their personalities coming out too. Like, it's beautiful. For me, you can see why we had to ask if you were the. <laughs> the yeah, Planet Earth Earth this is, because this I felt is like I was way better Planet than Earth that. Right here, like, <laughs> yeah, it, uh, it's a lot of fun. Definitely. How often do you get to go do these like type of things and experience them? Like, is it like on like a monthly basis, like a couple month thing, or is it, you know, like year round, like we're just going when we can? Yeah, year-round, almost every day. That's amazing. That's awesome. That's yeah. Awesome. If I'm not traveling outside of home, I you know, I do it here at home. You know, um, Florida is a pretty unique place, and we have yeah, a definitely. huge abundance of wildlife that um, that just loves it here. So there, it, it can be very uh, interesting here as well. You know, that's where I do most of the birds. We got a lot of really good bird activity here. Yeah, the wetlands are definitely like a really, really interesting place to me. So diverse, so, so many different species yeah. all in one area. Yeah, like, I mean, over the summer when we were going up the river, we saw otters for the first, I've, I've never yeah. seen like, so, like like otters in Michigan before and they were like on yeah. the bank and I was like, what? They were like super <laughs> like almost basically extinct in Michigan and as of recently, they've started to make a, a comeback and I've been mm-hmm. seeing them so much more mm-hmm. Here where we live in Michigan, we have the Grand River, and we mm-hmm. have obviously the Great Lakes because we're right on the coast of Michigan. Sure, we have very diverse wildlife, and it's to awesome. see an animal like that, like an otter, come back and start thriving again. Who would have known? I was swimming with otters. Cool. This beavers summer. too. Beavers are starting to like really come back. So it's cool to see like a lot of these animals that were huge in the fur trade to where humans sure. basically yeah. destroyed them, finally starting to make a comeback after all of these years. It's almost like you can covet something so hard that you can hurt it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Been a uh, huge growth in the birds, too. Like, mm. a lot of protection in birds, and it's cool to see them rebounding like they are. Right. I mean, it's. I also love the fact that it's like, you'll see, like, the DNR and, like, other certain aspects of the wildlife preserves and stuff that are, like, actually trying to repopulate certain, like, aspects of places where they'll go and they'll, you know, like, push, like, like, I don't want to say it, 
or nurture like babies and stuff and then reintroduce them into the wild. It's like, I love that stuff. Like if we want to keep this earth as diverse as it is, like there's going to have to be some intervention here and there. Sure. 100%. Hopefully it's the right one. Yeah, yeah exactly. The right one. Hopefully. Like hopefully we're not Jurassic Parking shit. Yeah, right. <laughs> So time to segue into maybe something a little more fictional. Yeah, I would say good. Yep. Um, we were talking before we went on uh, the live here about alien theories and things like that, and you happen to be a, a pretty big believer in the the aliens as well. Sure. Sure. It's, so uh, I know you had stuff happening right now. <laughs> yeah, you said you had mentioned too that you had uh, possibly seen a couple UFOs in your lifetime too. And it's like, let's, yeah, let's get yeah. these out here for the listeners, because I know it was pretty interesting sure, hearing sure. it from you. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, the, the most memorable was the most recent. Uh, I had gotten up early in the morning to go do a workshop with people to take them out and you know, show them some birds that come in here uh, in the spring in March. And my son was with me, and we were running late. So we both kind of – it was one of those days where you kind of wake up and literally roll out of bed and put your shoes on yeah. and head out. Like there's no time to get anything done at the house. You just got to go. Definitely. And it was, it was still dark. And when we went out, we were looking to the West and I noticed it immediately. I looked in the sky and I was like, okay, but something is different in the sky today. And I looked at my son and I pointed right when I looked, I was like, what are those two bright white lights in the sky? Those aren't stars. They're not here normally. And he yeah. looked at it and goes, Oh, that is weird. Maybe it's an airplane. And then an airplane flies just casually right through both of them. And so we're like, mm, that's not an airplane. Maybe not. <laughs> no. And, and they, were, they were big. They were, they were good size. And then they just like pulsed really bright and then went dim and then went really, really bright and just whoop, gone. Just like that. We were both like, what the fuck? That, that was a UFO, but we still, we got people waiting on us. We got to go. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. How do we process this? Fuck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We had to bail, but it, um, that was an interesting one. And then I've seen uh, similar things in Colorado from uh, there's a, an area, a state or a national park called the Great Sand Dunes. And you can actually hike to the top of these sand dunes. It's like a, a thousand foot elevate elevation gain. And you're in the middle of nowhere, which that's just that whole place where that is, is like a supernatural hotbed. Um, yeah. All kinds of weird stuff happens in the I think it was the San Luis Valley, I think is where it was. Anyways, up there, um, kind of something similar, uh, just I couldn't really ID what this was. And it was kind of zigzagging back and forth and then it would disappear and then it would light up like, you know, from my perspective, just a few feet away and do this weird pattern again and then disappear and then light up a few feet away. Um, I've seen that same thing a few times throughout my life, but the, the one with my son with the, the bright lights, that was the, I would say the most profound to where I was right. like, yeah, that's that's nothing I've ever seen before. And I don't, I don't know what that was. So. Yeah. And you spend a lot of time outside. So it's like, you obviously yeah. know what you're looking at out in the skies. Yeah. I mean, I knew it, like I said, immediately, even half asleep, I looked up at the sky and said, something's wrong. That's not, that, that's not the right pattern. You don't have three there. suns. Like what's happening? Yeah, no, that's really weird. And you know, I, I was glad my, my son was there cause he got to see it. Otherwise, you know, it's hard to have validation. <laughs> Somebody else. Yeah. Collide, you know, I know exactly how you feel because then people are gonna start crazy poking the holes too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or it's like, well, you were tired. Well, (laughs) like, no, no, no. He saw the same thing, dog. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. We are two different people. Yeah, for sure. 
Yeah, that, that's that's, a, that's about it with the UFOs. Uh, my brother had weird experiences. Um, he told me that he had been abducted before, and yeah, he <laughs> he had some weird stuff. Um, uh, really weird stuff. It, I mean, that would go a long, long way. So, uh, but he. Uh, he related. He ended up getting cancer and dying in 2015, I think it was. Um, and during his like last few years, he told me some interesting stuff about some of his experiences and yeah, just weird stuff. <laughs> yeah, where it's like how like if you have an imagination, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always I, I wonder know. how. What, what's that? Like how, you know, like if somebody isn't making that stuff up, you know, like it's got to be true or like yeah. have some type of validation to it where it's like your brain is pretty crazy and you can make up cool things. But like, I don't think it's that intricate where you can have full on like memorable experiences where you play it back to people like if he, you know, like what he experienced and he told you where it's like, hmm, yeah, how do you just make that up? Yeah, yeah. You have to be very creative <laughs> for sure. So where would you go if you had, you know, like had, that you haven't gone yet? Like that would be like a bucket list place for you that, you know, like it's like I've always wanted to make it here, but I haven't got a chance to yet. Um, I think Australia or New Zealand would be yeah. on top of my list. Yeah, definitely. There's got some interesting stuff there. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm terrified of the spiders, but like other than that, like it's that place would be seriously cool. See the yeah, Great Barrier Reef, you know, and then yes. just the the amount of the outback that people are like, no, it's it is dangerous out there. Like you don't even understand. Like it's rough, and it's like, yeah. but it's just a desert. Like it's just some watered places, you know, like got some trees. No, yeah. you don't understand it till you see it for yourself, which I haven't, but. <laughs> yeah it'd be cool to go there and and try to do like what they do and you know, go on a walkabout just just go go for mm. a walk for a few days <laughs> yeah i 100 agree i think the experience in australia would be incredible there's so many different animals that you'd never you can't experience anywhere else they're only in australia exactly, yeah so, yeah like you just never know what you're going to come across at any given time you can come across the kangaroo and then 10 minutes later come across the saltwater crocodile like it's yeah that is actually pretty wild yeah i have a had a client that did the eagle trip with me this summer and he was australian and uh he had a great time but he told me and my son that when we're ready to come down there and he'll show us around and he's a diver specifically oh, yeah. yeah photographing the great whites and he said i'll i'll put you in a cage where there's like just massive great whites all around you he said it'll be intense i said let's go i'm ready have yeah. you ever dove with sharks or done like underwater photography? Yeah, I, I um I've snorkeled with sharks, which was probably even worse than diving with them, but um, Yeah, that sounds a little less like secure. <laughs> I'm terrified of sharks, man. So terrified. Yeah. Terrified of the ocean, terrified of sharks. It was uh it was an interesting experience. We did it uh did it here off of the coast about three miles and we went with a guide and you know, you're gonna do a shark dive in a cage, and it was me, my son his girlfriend and his best friend. And when we get in the boat and we get all the way out there, the guy's like, who's going in the cage? And we all raise our hand. And he says, no, nobody's going Not in the all cage. Of you. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody. It's too rough. If you get in the cage, you're going to get beat up. So what we're going to do today is we're just going to float on the surface with mask and snorkel. And I was like, okay, I 
I guess that's cool. That sounds dangerous. <laughs> yeah, and oh, I mean, we it's like I think we stopped the boat maybe thirty seconds, and so there was a a male guide who was driving the boat, and then a female guide, and she was already in the water. And within thirty seconds, she pops up and she goes, "There's six bull sharks already." And I was like, "What? Holy shit! How many? Why? We just stopped the boat. Why are they here?" And she's like, "That's just how it is." <laughs> they, throw wow. a rope out. they throw a rope out behind the boat and basically you just hold on the rope and we drift and he he gave us some information basically you know keep your hands and feet close to your body don't make any sudden movements and think of these animals like dogs they're they're in the sense that you can read them really well like in yeah. like when a dog's ears go back you can tell that they're kind of irritated so for sharks, it's when their their side fins go back. It's kind of the same behavior. Oh yeah, yeah. So I mean, we were we were floating with them for quite a while, and the water is pretty pretty cold out there, and it's and you can't see the bottom. It's like 150 200 feet deep. Cool. So it's hard to imagine, but you're just kind of floating in this giant blue abyss with like this huge god ray of of like light everywhere. And it's very calming, and then the cold water is very calming, and then because you're breathing through a snorkel, you're forced to breathe really slow and, like, in this meditative yeah. state. So you get into this really calm state, and suddenly there's sharks swimming all around you. And at least that was my my perspective of it. I was like, wow, there's sharks everywhere. I'm like, holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> yeah, but I was I was really calm about it. And um, then one shark shows up. I, I get him confused. I can't remember if it was a silky shark or a lemon shark. Um Either way, the guide said, like, you know, we popped up out of the water. He said, this shark is really curious, and it, it will literally, like, swim right up into your face. This one, if it does, just push it away. That's They, they just, yeah, like, just give it the old boop test. <laughs> yeah, right. So, and sure enough, here it comes, and I, I see it coming up underneath me, and it's, like, coming up to my foot, and I, I kind of kick it with my foot, and then it swims around, and it, like, swims right up into my face. And I'm like, all right, that's too much, and I, I push it away. And wow. it, at that moment something happened like that shark broke the barrier of distance between us and the sharks and all the bull sharks that were really calm started getting really weird and their fins went back and they started swimming around yeah. really quickly and next thing i know i see a bull shark kind of doing that and boom kind of right beeline right at me and i'm floating in the water going it's wow there's a bull shark it's coming right at me that's weird and it, it just getting closer and closer and again i was like in this weird suspended calm state so i yeah. wasn't reacting and from out of nowhere the the guide who was like the captain swims over and it's maybe five feet from me and he punches the shit out of the shark right oh, like, hey. shit. yeah and then he's like he's like okay it's time to go they're they're kind of getting aggressive now and i was like okay Damn. time to go <laughs> that's it was, crazy it was it overall it was it was a cool experience. Yeah. I would do it. I would do it again. Um, it, it was just a little, like a little leery towards the end there. It got a little weird, but um, it, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. I mean, that's mother nature for you though, where it's like, it can, like we said earlier, it can turn on a dime where it's like, those are, those are literally animals. Like they're not trained to be around people. They don't yeah. know what you are. Yeah. It is the uh, it, and you're in their environment then too. You know, yeah, you're, you're at their house. Yeah, when you get in the water, you're not the top of the food chain anymore. You're you're now part of it, so you have to understand that. <laughs> yeah, I think that's probably what's most terrifying to me about being in open water, where it's like I can do it and I don't have a big problem with it. But like realistically, if I was in the water with sharks like that, I don't know how calm I would be because it's either fight, flight, or freeze, and I'm probably freezing. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. I, I, I don't know. Something about that water, you know, calmed me down. My son's, you know, he had the same uh, effect on him. So um, just something about that. It, it'd be different. Like if we were, I don't know, in a freshwater area and there were gators right. everywhere, then I'd be nervous. Gators are, I don't know. You can't really trust those guys. They, they, they're kind of creepy. <laughs> yeah. Like realistically, what is the size of the brain and how much capacity do they have for using it? <laughs> I have yeah. no idea. Yeah. I think they only have one thing on their mind and that's Ooh. food. <laughs> yeah. Food. Yeah. That's Giant stuff, reptiles. Yeah. yeah. So what do you find most appealing about photography? Hmm. Mm. Quite a few things. I, I think, uh, learning about your subjects like you know in this case the animals it oh yeah you can kind of put them under a microscope so to speak and, and learn a lot of things um, from watching them and taking their photos or videoing them in slow motion um, you can also learn a lot about yourself in that whole process because once you kind of like like anything else once you get comfortable with it like you get kind of on autopilot and you can kind of get yeah. into flow state and next thing you know, a few hours has gone by and it feels like just two or three minutes. And Yeah. You blink and it's gone. Yeah. I think getting into that, that calm space is one of the biggest attractions to me. So, and then learning and taking, taking something from it to better yourself in whatever yeah. way I, I think is probably the biggest thing. Yeah, that's pretty much how we feel about it, too. Like, the paranormal to us was always so appealing because it's like, not only do we get to research these places and these events and stuff like that that are it just in themselves very interesting, but, like, to have these accounts of things still happening, it's like, oh, well, now this is already, like, another enigma in my brain. But then at the same time, you're right. Like, you, you find out things about yourself where it's like, what are my limits? You know, like, yeah. what what's really causing me to like get this much drive to do this and it's like oh i it's it's the the want to know what's the unknown yeah and like once we get into that investigative state it's kind of like what you said it's like a flow yeah, state like being done a eight hour investigation goes by in a blink of an eye because you're just so almost like hyper focused on the situation yeah. at hand mm -hmm. that you yep. don't even you don't even take account of what else is happening in the world or outside of your general space of thinking yeah, and there's always something you can derive from it like there's always like you can do something better you know where sure. it's like I, I love being hyper critical on myself too which like not in like a terrible way but like realistically it's like okay like i should have did this a little bit differently because i think it would have looked better this way but it's like those are those are things that you need you know like to to keep adding that depth to what you're trying to provide or like put out there yeah definitely yeah like Photography is like, like a constantly evolving art. And especially if you're outside doing wildlife, you never have the same situation twice. So you're you're constantly balancing all of these settings within the camera and then yourself, you know, in your own level of excitement so that you can be calm during the situation. And then mm -hmm. uh, then understanding the animal and reading the animal at the same time or the weather or the wind or their food source, all that stuff. Um, so you kind of get into this cool space and understanding of all of that stuff. Yeah. And it's nice too, because like a lot of, a lot of people probably don't have that type of knowledge or like that wealth where it's like, it's just, you know what you know, and you know, we you know, like numbers and I know how to do financing and I know how to do this and that or ship things all over the world. But realistically, sure. it's like these finite little things where it's like, I've honed this crap. 
Like yeah. I feel really good presenting it in the light that it's at. And it's like, I to me, I there's something about people that can bring another aspect of the world that's there that I don't understand or that I'm not very, you know, in tune with where it's mm-hmm. like, this is the most fascinating thing ever. I had sure. no idea. And now I get this, like, this is beautiful. Yeah, that's cool. And I'm, you know, that happens a lot with the stuff that I do. And um, that's a, a great thing too, is like, you know, people come out with me um, as part of my job, you know, they pay me to, to teach them how to do this stuff, mm. but to, to, give them a starting point and then to see them kind of figure it out and then it click and then to stand back and like, you know, take the training wheels off and Mm -hmm. let them, let them go is uh, really, really cool to see too. I do love that. I I really do. Like those dweebs like that are in the chat right now with us. I got to do an investigation with them. Oh, it had to have been over a year and a half ago now at one of the locations we were at. And you know, like they asked me a bunch of questions and like we became friends and now I see them like putting their own videos out and they just released a new trailer and it's like you guys have come so far and I'm so proud of you guys. That's cool. It's like it feels really good. And the community, like the paranormal community, you know, it has its ups and downs where some people want to like, like it, just clash, like any community but, of anything. Yeah, but it realistically it's such a loving community of people that I just want the same thing, which is like to understand what's really going on out there. And we really don't. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> this is true. <laughs> We're only built to interpret so much. So. Mm-hmm. And realistically, in our short lifespans, we, we're only going to get a very small window of it. Yeah, exactly. I'm actually trying to pull up some photos that we ta- yeah. took. So there, yeah, there is a few photos of like things that we captured that I mean are to me like pretty credible evidence but also like you being an expert photographer it's like if you can deduct what this is <laughs> then we will 100% throw that evidence out because I'm not an expert in it whatsoever sure because we've had other photographers analyze it and they can't explain it at all feed it to uh, chat GPT and see what it says right, yeah <laughs> I didn't even think about that until just now either I love that okay so this is uh, one of our favorite cemeteries to go to, we captured this photo. What we believe is the apparition of a, a woman in like a period era dress. I think, I think yes, yeah, I see. Oh, yeah, I see. Yeah, 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 and yeah. then like the poofiness of a dress yeah, and an and arm. It looks like a hand. Yeah. yeah. Mm. yeah and that was just taken from the parking lot there was only one overhead light right there and the light right. is in front of the the fence that's right there too so it's closer to where i was standing when i took the picture and i sure. there was no smudges on my lenses or anything i took a few more but they got lost in translation because i had to use my phone did you it, uh, ah, it's weird did you see this before you took it or are you just taking random pictures i i took it it was later I, that night. Yeah, and I looked at it he later that night. He texted to me and was like, dude, what's this? So, <laughs> like, I was just going click, 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 click. And then I was going back through and I saw that and I was like, whoa, whoa. Interesting. <laughs> like, what yeah, is that? I, I can't say on that one. I don't know. Yeah, because we tried to just, we tried to say it's lens flare. We tried to say it's like matrixing of some sort, but then it's like, it doesn't make sense why it's behind the fence. And it's only in the specific area. Uh, yeah. And then it's, it's yeah. very, very like dense in certain spots where you think it would be. And it's like, hmm, this is odd. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely an oddity. All right. So the next one is actually, it was a succession photo so it was a burst photo yeah, so session. my wife was using her actual um dslr camera so this is the first one you oh 
Okay, it's not showing yet. I got. Okay, you got to re-present the screen. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So. Yeah, because my wife took a couple pictures from the same spot, but like farther back, and you can you can see like this like shadow figure move through the frame. So this is the first frame. You can kind of see it and entering here. Yeah. Blackness. Mm -hmm. It's like permeating the light, and then the second one, it's even worse. And then this is. The next photo. Yeah, and then it moves farther into screen. Oh, yeah. So what we yeah, found right. super interesting about it is it's a solid black mass that's in front of the light source. So yeah. There should be no shadow there like that where it's vertical. If anything, a shadow is going to be, you know, even yeah. with the And ground. in the next photo that she took after that one, it wasn't there. Yeah, it's oh, like really? how how does that happen? And we think it has like a hooded figure type look to it. Because when we oversaturated it and played with the levels of it, you can see like an outline more or less, and it's like, and the, how the light kind of like reflects off of it in this corner is kind of weird. How yeah, like, I don't know. Because these Straight are the unedited photo. versions, right? Yeah, this is the, yeah, that's just the raw photo that's too. The raw photo right off the file. Cool. Yeah, I mean, if you have any explanations on what that could be, fuck. I have no idea, man. <laughs> it's the, it's those type of anomalies, you know? Like, yeah. Like we'll, we'll have, like, uploading files, you know, like, trouble. Or we'll have, like, pictures get corrupted and, like, it almost looks like somebody took a VCR and just, like, ripped the, the tape out while <laughs> it was going. And it's like, why does this look like that? Like, I don't yeah, understand. Yeah. <laughs> Supernatural. Who knows? supernatural i think that's, so that's the way that's where, where we're going with it because i can't explain <laughs> it. no explanations whatsoever other than that was fuck cool <laughs> <laughs> yeah those are interesting i don't i wouldn't know what that was yeah i mean i'm really glad that you like being the experts you are it's like oh shit <laughs> like yes <laughs> that's incredible to me yeah the, the last one especially the way that that dark whatever it was moved through the frame was weird yeah, like it's super odd. It it is so so odd. And we were, me and him were in like the back of the cemetery while that was happening. And then my wife goes, "Oh, guys, can we leave now?" <laughs> and I was like, "What's happening, dude? Like, let's walk back." We're up like, there. "Oh my gosh, she wants to leave. Yeah, we didn't want to leave." We're she like, was showing us the photos like in succession, and we we're like, "What, dude? Like, <laughs> we gotta go walk through there one more time." And the crazy thing to the end of the end of that story is, as we were leaving the cemetery. A tree had fallen in the road, blocking our exit. Oh, yeah, and we didn't hear it either. That was the weird That's part. <laughs> and that was the same night too that we uh we had one of our devices that'll read like the electricity in the milligauss. So mm -hmm. like we were watching it and it jumped up to like three hundred. Well, the normal baseline is between one and three milligauss for like your house, you know, or like outside realistically. Yeah, you, know, you might get a spike here and there because of like a random point pocket three. or something. Point, point three. three, sorry. But yeah, it jumped up to over 300 and I was like Googling it on the way home and it was the equivalent to a nuclear bomb going off in like oh. And I was like, why? We were in the woods. Yeah, the, the cemetery is like a forgotten cemetery in the middle of the woods. Really, <laughs> and that was the same place. That all three of those photos were taken in, taken in the same night. Oh, yeah, that's weird. And it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> And that's where the tree was falling. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That cemetery in particular was probably one of the one of the most wild investigations that we did prior to like going to some of the more well known locations that we've done so far. Now. Yeah, it's like a local legend spot type thing. 
Yeah, that's that's the best too. Is like the local stuff, like how you were saying, like you to see the osprey basically just drive up the road. They're right there on the coast, yeah. you know. Yeah, like it's those hidden gems. I, I love it. We get them sometimes if you go out on the big lake. We'll have ospreys here. Really, yeah. I had no idea. Yeah, yeah, they go that far. Man, They've all it's... left now. They they all came to me. <laughs> yeah, they're, yeah they're, it's sure. fucking it's cold, cold up here. here. <laughs> yeah, they've gone south for the winter. It's always crazy to me too that like some certain like biomes like Michigan in particular sees every season. Like it's yeah. really interesting that some animals can literally weather every type of season. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. Ghosts must be able to as well. <laughs> How do you yeah, feel about beans? Yeah. Yeah, being someone that likes the Pacific Northwest, how do you feel about Bigfoot? Ah, oh, I love Bigfoot. Oh, hell Are you a firm believer? Oh, um, I would say at one time, I think Bigfoot did exist. I don't know if, if Bigfoot still does. I don't know. Right. I, you know, but I, uh, I, I was in, where were we? My son and I were in uh, Tennessee or... North Carolina, I can't remember, or South Carolina. We were at a place uh, trying to photograph bears, and we had gone way, way off into the woods, and we were around a lake. And uh, we were with an older lady who knew the bears really well, who was kind of guiding us through the area. And we heard, like, the classic uh, Bigfoot sound of, like, rocks being smacked together. No, oh, like, yeah. oh, clack, clack. The, the clack, yeah. yeah. And it, it was so loud. And I, was, I remember looking at my son going, uh, that's not right. Yeah, and then I looked at the lady, and I, and I was just curious. I said, have you ever heard that sound before? And she's like, no, what is it? And I was like, oh, uh. I, I didn't want to say anything to her, but I was like. Right, uh. yeah, you don't want to perpetuate the, uh, the Yeah, yeah, legend says it's, it's Bigfoot. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, we uh, definitely uh, heard that that day, and that was that was weird for sure. Um, I've joked about it a lot in the Pacific Northwest, and um because you know it's really popular over there, especially if you go into Oregon. They, right. They they talk about it a lot. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's a that's a good one too. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I think Bigfoot's actually like a an alien. An alien. That's that's, that's what some people. It say, would yeah. make sense though. Like if if it was an over if he was. This sounds so wild right now. If there was a very large population of Bigfoot that lived on this earth, it would make sense why we have so many accounts of it. If they yeah. were as highly intelligent as they are, it would also make sense to why we can't find their burial mounds or any of their, you know, remnants, basically. Yeah. But, like, the fact that if we're still seeing them, that, that tells me that they either have a place to go to and, like, just, like, dip out. Or, like, we just don't realize that they're just pocket dimension travelers and they already have this stuff and they just go to their ship and just gone. <laughs> yeah, they're interdimensional uh, travelers. Yeah. That would be so. That funny. would fucking that would mess my mind up though. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> if that theory is prevailing and it's real, and Bigfoot actually is an alien, and we we've lived with it our whole lives, it's like ah oh, shit. I'm not as crazy as I thought, but I'm so crazy. So we have a theory we joke about as to why uh, you never see a, a clear picture of Bigfoot. Do you know why that is? Mm -mm. Because Bigfoot is just a naturally blurry creature. Oh. <laughs> Like like an active camo almost. I know exactly how you say. Yeah, that's interesting as shit. Like it's almost like you like your perception of it's distorted. Yes, exactly. Yeah. 
they can't I mean, get, like, you can't get a clear shot of Bigfoot. It's impossible. Yeah, nobody ever really has. That's interesting because, yeah, yeah, like, what if you were to take the clearest photo ever, but would your brain be able to see perceive yes, what it's seeing? that's the oh, other that's thing. Like, it's yeah. like psychology says, like, you'll bury trauma stuff or things that you don't understand. You'll try to relate it back to things that you do know. Well, who's to say that if you see a creature that you don't know what it is or you've never encountered anything like it, that your brain doesn't immediately go to the trauma where it's like yeah. the trauma responses, which not I guess not everybody would have the same trauma response to something like that. But subconsciously, I'm sure you're going to bury some stuff. Sure, sure. There's a... a Barazzi scarf? That's Big pretty good. That's really good. <laughs> <laughs> now you do have to see him if he did. <laughs> be a dead giveaway yeah like a big feather boa <laughs> and he's like hitting the runway strutting like check out these feet i mean bigfoot's kind of interesting like people literally spend their lives studying a creature that no one knows exists but yeah, yeah. people have found like things that we can't explain there's accounts of giants that though. they relate to bigfoot like i don't know if you've heard of like the tree laying thing or they like mark trees with like laying them on top of each other to make like a triangle shape basically no. i don't People. even doubt that they're descendants of giants because giants are real like there's bones in the smithsonian of giants yeah That's and hobbit problem. people too <laughs> yeah exactly like how like yeah. you can't tell me that we can't just deny these things because we can't like these these are like actual factual things sure but they just don't want to tell you about it you know that's dragons that's the too. funny part dragons right? get like, me man hmm. i i I want to believe that dragons actually did exist today. But like, I think they were more like giant chickens than they were like actual <laughs> scaly dragons. Because like velociraptors technically they're, they're are the like, first version of a dodo like, bird. Exactly. But like, they're like badass. <laughs> like, I have no idea because we obviously never actually encountered one in real life. But like, how, how can we say that we would know what they would look like? You know, like scaly, you know, like these armored titans basically like i don't know yeah there's a, a an interesting uh philosophical i don't know if you would call this test or idea if you if you raise somebody in a cave yeah and and you only ever showed them shadows of what were was real and then you brought them into the real world and exposed them to what they were seeing that was making the shadows how would they how would they understand that and then if you go one step further, are you ever really out of the cave? Or are you just moving from one cave to the next? Shit. Mind blown. Yeah. Right <laughs> Holy fuck. Yeah, that's very deep. Like, damn. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty cool if you think about it. It's kind of like what we were talking about earlier. Like, what's the perception of... Yeah, I mean, really? what level of simulation are we in right now? Where it's like, are <laughs> right. we simulating other people, simulating other people, simulating other people? Like, I have no idea. Have you ever read the uh, Minecraft in-game poem? I have not. Oh, you should read it. It's really good. It, it basically says that we will see all of these things when we're ready, when, when we yeah. are consciously ready to, to accept all that, and we're just not yet. So have it reached that level. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think anybody has. Like, until, realistically, I don't think until we leave our mortal coils, like we will have the keys to then unlock it. Cause I don't think as soon as you like put pass on to whatever spiritual form, like granted, I like everybody thinks about it differently too, but it's like realistically, I don't think you're just like gifted all the, the answers. I think you have to do a little bit of digging or a little bit of work for those. Yeah, probably. So it's such a wild concept. 
Like is. there's so much like there's so many paranormal theory that like it's just so cool to think about it where it's like right and it kind of like it? I mean death is such a like a morbid thing too mm. you know so like but it's everywhere but like, it's yeah, every it's, every aspect of life that is any living creature is going to live and die at some point that's yeah. the crazy thing too yeah none of us are going to get out of this alive yeah i mean we're trapped like that's the other fucked up part too is like we are trapped inside of these bodies like not in a bad way but like realistically like once you're born you're trapped here like there's no getting away from yourself at that point like you yeah. are who you are and it, yeah. it's it's one of the wildest things you have to like actually like sit down and like holy fuck who am i yeah. <laughs> like in this fucking gigantic world of billions of people i'm one person that is here I, it, what <laughs> <laughs> interesting it's so fun because i i don't know like it's to me it's like there's just so many different things on this planet that you can be passionate about but at the end of the day it's like it's so wonderful to get to learn about all these other ones too where it's yeah. like i might not have ever gotten the opportunity to speak with you about some of these amazing shots or some of the locations that you've gotten to go to or unless it's like branched out you know like you gotta like get out of some certain comfort zones sometimes and like see really what's out there and like you have oh, to definitely definitely have to do that <laughs> I, I totally agree like one of my favorite places i've ever been to was alaska just because of how like wild it really is like once you walk out off the beaten path to like go find some a good spot to fish it ain't like in, michigan it's totally <laughs> different like for one you're experiencing something that is crazy the salmon run there's so many fish all doing the same thing literally like we were talking coming to the end of their life to start new life within the ecosystem sure like, to exploit be part of that and then also being you know on the riverbanks with probably the most ferocious animal on the planet a grizzly bear you know yeah. like 200 <laughs> yards from me on the other side of a river or something like that's it's, crazy and it's there for the same reason i am to catch this fish because it knows hey i have to indulge now because i'm gonna go hibernate yeah. <laughs> right it's like it, the 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 way the world is and like all of the connections, it's like it everything works hand in hand too. Like that's the craziest part. It does. It's yeah. like unless you have that perfect storm of things, certain you know, like certain things just would not exist. And yeah, you can see and there's evidence of it too with like how climate change has affected certain things in certain populations of animals. But it's like, wow, you you literally need that chain of events to happen in order for this to happen. And it's, yeah. it's such an awe-inspiring, like humbling thing where it's like, I'm just a cog. Like there's, I'm not the one perpetuating this. I might be keeping it going, but like, I am not the one making this work. Yeah. All the pieces seem to fit. Mm. Yeah. And it's just the way life in general has a way of knowing how to prevail. It's a Always. beautiful puzzle. Like it really yeah. is. Like you just got to find where you fit. Yeah, but is it in the Jurassic Park that Jeff Goldblum says life will find a way or whatever? Is yeah, yeah, you're right. you're right. Jurassic Park in us. <laughs> <laughs> it's life true. Always finds a way, even in the darkest situations. It'll it'll find a way to. Yeah, I mean, to yeah. Look at like Antarctica and stuff like that. Like I was, I've been reading articles on Reddit, like how we were saying earlier. Reddit holes are crazy. How there's yeah. like like full biomes of ecosystems of just like prehistoric fauna and like just like complete biomes of no reason why we should still have like certain cephalopods and other types of animals that have been extinct for tens of thousands of years that are just down there. 
And it's like, this is, that's fucking, that's insane. <laughs> and then you get hollow earth theory and it's like, that, that might even have some weight too. I don't fucking know. <laughs> I mean, they definitely have a giant super collider in Antarctica that can completely destroy complete countries. So that's real. I'm not even joking about that. I think that conspiracy is real as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know this one. So like I there's been a lot of hoopla that I've been reading lately where Antarctica, it's a frozen desert. Like it is inhospitable as fuck. But you'll right. get these these like outposts of these people that'll go and spend, you know, a couple of years there to do their research and whatnot. And there's just certain places that they are not allowed to go to. Mm -hmm. well, why is that? You know? And then you start thinking, where would the perfect place to put a gigantic weapon system or some type of black site that you don't want anybody getting to? Mm -hmm. Probably in one of the most inhospitable, hardest places to get to. Sure. And then you start thinking about all the, like the repercussions of that. And then you get this, I think it was in South America somewhere, this huge earthquake that was not like, there was no indication that there was supposed to be like a fault line there, anything. And then there starts coming from these outposts, like little bit stories and stories and stories of them having this, this weapon system. That's like a super collider that basically they can like shoot these super high, high frequency, like beams of energy and just fuck everything up. And mm. it's like, Oh, okay. Like now you start thinking about like mass and particle acceleration and how we already do that and how DARPA and um, what is it? The other, the other big, like military um wing that does all their research too that's like another black site dealio it's like yeah i don't think that they have not been trying to do this for a long time because they've weaponized sound at this point they've weaponized you know like well not even weaponized but like they've done their research into like remote viewing like all all kinds of these very obscure things so like it just made sense to me that that would be where it would and why it would sure or that's where all the UFOs are. Probably. The, you, Area 51 is a complete fucking shell. The, I, I love it. I want to go in there myself, but it's a shell. There is no way they have actually like crazy shit there. Distraction. Yeah. <laughs> Not We're anymore. While we do this over here. Type thing. They got like some Stargate SG-1 shit where you can just like walk through a portal in a fucking mountain and then you're like somewhere else on the planet. Yeah. Insane. Teleportation. I don't even doubt that that's real. There's been accounts of ships that have done that. I forgot which. Uh, it wasn't the Manhattan Project. It was there was another thing like that where a ship lost, like they had lost it to sea for a couple of weeks. It came back and people were like fused to the deck. How and about shit. the shit that's coming forward from the Malaysia flight? Have you seen oh, that yeah, stuff? Oh yeah, actually. Oh yeah, the one that disappears. Yeah, how they yep. caught the like they have some like drone footage of like lights circling the plane and then it just. I don't know how legit it is, but. <laughs> I mean, realistically, though, probably not a realm of possibilities. I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't doubt think it. so. So, how does yeah. the plane just disappear? That's a weird one. Yeah. And that's not even the first time it's happened. It's happened no. a few times. Like, where's Amelia Earhart? That's, a, well, <laughs> that, okay. <laughs> that one <laughs> might be more realistic to explain away, but. <laughs> But yeah, like realistically, it's like you'll you'll see these accounts of these ghost ships of people that are like on these ships. They just they set sail and then they're just they come back like a couple weeks later and the crew's like, we've been gone for years. How the fuck does that happen? For one, where it's like, I mean, maybe it's like a mass hysteria thing. That's I mean, it's possible. It's still super weird. 
or like like that one the one story that we read a while ago where it was like the military was doing some testing with like a certain like radioactive chemical or some bullshit and or like some type of weapon system that was completely state of the art and then they fired it up and then everybody got like flash teleported like 10 feet forward and it was like time hadn't moved for them but everybody was like fused to the decks they were like in between like bulkheads and like oh, I remember. it was it was something that like was straight out of a movie that you just wouldn't expect but like there's actually accounts of this happening and it's like okay so if we were messing with that stuff like how it was probably in the fucking 70s too is when i was reading about like like when that happened too it's like how how can they not have perf- tried to perfect that by now especially if you look at nuclear fission and how far along we've come with that and how there's been realistically no nuclear explosions on the scale of fukushima other than like chernobyl or anything like that or three mile island and it's like okay so like we've gotten really good at mitigating loss and certain bad things in a lot of you know really really harsh chemicals and or things that if you are even exposed to it for 30 seconds you're gonna die have you seen yeah. the theory of uh gosh what's the chemical it's it's like a mineral that's left over after nuclear explosion oh it's um the elephant's foot it's uh God, i can't remember the name of this freaking it's like mineral. the most toxic compound on the planet after nuclear fission happens yeah and it only occurs after a nuclear reaction well apparently this mineral is all over mars like all over Mars. So there's a theory going around that potentially there was maybe some type of bad nuclear explosion and humanoid creatures got on a craft and flew to Earth to to leave the nuclear radiated planet. Sure. Makes sense. Yeah, I, I can't remember what it's called either. Especially because like, cool. like I I love no. ancient civilizations. One of my favorite ancient, ancient civilizations, civilizations is uh the Anunnaki. Mm-hmm. And they believe that, well, it's not even that they believe, it's literally in Smithsonian, like, text. Yeah, the tablets, what they have going on on it. Yeah, that, <laughs> like, the Anunnaki came to Earth to fix their own planet, basically, and they come by every, like, however long it takes that planet to come through its solar cycle back closest to Earth, and then they come back to revisit there's a whole story yeah it's actually we pretty- like they brought us to earth to mine gold for them and then if you look at like like civilization as a whole like we are basically slaves to working and that's mm-hmm. all we've really ever been is innovators and workers and it's like okay that theory is pretty crazy but then you get all the hieroglyphs and stuff from all of these ancient civilizations in these places and it's like how why are they drawing helicopter looking like you know these crafts back in 800 <laughs> Yeah, right. Or what we what we perceive to be, you know, whatever time is in in the relativity of all of it, because I really don't think that the planet is what they as old as they say it is, or it's probably older. Like, I, there's no good way of telling it for me because the pyramids are another good one where it's like, I don't think we know everything about the pyramids already. Like, we might know right, that they're think really really interesting, but they're probably millions of years older than what we know. They're probably even deeper into the sand than what we know. Because mm-hmm. if, if you look at ancient civilizations as a whole, too, why are all these geolo- geographical places that have no business being connected sharing similarities? You know, like why are why are they all lined up with the North Stars? Why are they all like 
like they all have the same aqueduct systems basically where it's like they had no business knowing they that. didn't even know each other existed exactly you know yeah. they're working at the same time on earth but they had no no idea that each other existed yet here we have the same civilized different civilizations different cultures building giant pyramids to do whatever they were doing for them like the mayans used them to sacrifice people but (laughs) (laughs) have you ever had the opportunity to go visit any of the uh, ancient sites like on your travels or whatnot no not yet oh man i'm i'm sure that's probably a bucket list for you too though right yeah that would be interesting for sure oh man like yeah your lifestyle is what I wish we could be doing right now. <laughs> I just want to travel and experience all these things for ourselves because it's, it is seriously some of the coolest stuff ever. Like, I mean, just like some of the places that you've mentioned so far, and I'm sure that's not even all of them, where it's like, I'm sure you've probably been over to Europe. You've probably been basically everywhere in the world. No, I wish. <laughs> no, not yet. I mean, Costa Rica, Africa, like to oh, us, that's, God, that's a lot. <laughs> Like, yeah. that's a very awesome trip. Canada, I haven't even been to Canada yet. Oh, uh, Canada's awesome. Yeah, Canada. It's huge. I was there. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just like, we, like, I, I live in such a small rut, you know, and it's like, it's so, it's so fucking cool just to hear, it's like, no, man, like, Africa, like, we saw lions, like, that's, that's literally National Geographic planet fucking earth like that is the only thing that i get is like watching the videos of it so it's like ah, yeah these first hand accounts are seriously some some of the best yeah i got to see uh an elephant dancing in the under the light of the full moon that was really oh weird God. yeah he's like he stood up on his hind legs to eat these uh acacia pods and it just mm-hmm. and like you just silhouette looked like he was dancing and the locals nicknamed him fred astaire because he has such good moves that's amazing <laughs> That's so yeah. amazing. It was cool. It's weird too, though, like to be there and try to sleep. And you know, most of the places you sleep in a in a glamorized tent, but the tent's still canvas. And to hear, you know, lions outside like doing their thing, and then other animals, you kind of up all night the first few nights, wondering what the hell's happening outside your tent. Right. <laughs> it's a little, yeah. A little 100%. unnerving. Hundred percent. I I felt that way when I was in. Uh, Alaska, I'm pretty sure I had a bear walk within 10 feet of my tent. Like, I'm almost positive. I heard, I knew no one was camping near us, and I just heard footsteps, and I was like, I'm not getting out of this fucking tent. I'm never right in here. Yeah. Dude, yeah. I'm just like a gigantic pussy about insects and spiders, which, like, I can deal with them, but like, spiders <laughs> in particular are like a fucking terrifying fear for me. Heebie right up the spine. Like, if I if I was laying in a tent and all of a sudden I had like a banana spider or like something that was like good size, I'd be like, I'm just gonna burn this. I'm done. Like, I'll I'll see you guys on the other side. I want to do this, but well, I mentioned that uh, we camped on top of the Great Sand Dunes National Park. Mm-hmm. When you get to the top, right as it gets dark, there is an endemic species of spider that comes out of the sand and crawls around everywhere. And they're about about that big. Uh, for, a good, for a good 30 minutes, the entire outside of the tent was just these spiders crawling up. The, oh you can flick the side of the tent and boom, 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 to get them all off of the tent. But then then they disappear back into the sand. <laughs> yeah, they just go back into the sand. See, that's yeah. the sketchiest part. Is they're fucking there the whole time. Yeah, and that's the, that's the only place they exist. It's right there. No other place on the planet. So the water spiders here are fucking sketchy. 
Cause like they'll they'll they can get to be like fucking oh, palm, yeah like dock spiders can get to be palm size and like I can almost palm a basketball and I'm no yeah. joke like they can be that big and I, I heard a story it. once where a kid like they were like do not go swim out to this um it was like a floating dock right yeah and like, don't do it and they were at a camp and then the kids were like <laughs> we're gonna do this you told us no we're doing it well yeah. they got onto the dock and then when they disturbed it. All those dock spiders came over the side of it and started fucking them up and biting them and stuff. But it's oh. like, oh my god, that's nightmare fuel! Like yeah. that is nightmare fuel. <laughs> I don't, I don't know what type of spider it is, but if you like kill it and it's got its babies, yeah. oh. act, they'll just go everywhere. Oh gosh, yeah. I've done that. that that's a, a, we have those here, wolf spiders. Yep. Yeah, wolf spiders. Yep. yep. We got those. See, like, I don't. Like, we'll get the wolf, the fucking giant wolfies here too. Where it's like, if you like crush it, you can hear it scream sometimes. <laughs> or like sometimes, if you like, if they're on a piece of wood and it's big enough, and you're like, fuck that, throw it in the fire. You'll hear it hiss. It'll be like, oh, and it's like, oh my god, <laughs> like they do this. <laughs> like, I would scream too if I was on fire. But like, oh. yeah, right, right. I think the worst spider, honestly. Is the brown recluse because it doesn't yeah. make a web or anything, and they can yeah. they've got neuro neuro neurotoxins, yeah, where it like dissolves your skin basically, and it's like yeah. unless you get the antidote, you're fucking you're in yeah, it's ne- necrotic. It eats your necrotic. Flesh. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah. Basically, turns you to a zombie. Cool. See, and it's like you you probably have to be very well versed too when you go to these certain like like tropical places especially where it's like we don't have a ton of poisonous stuff around here but like yeah yeah, you have to be aware of those things when you're out in the wild trying to like hyper focus on taking a picture of something else but then it's like oh there's a a deadly snake scurrying right there (laughs) yeah i mean most of those things don't want anything to do with it so they they stay far yeah yeah most times yeah, and I mean, realistically, you're not disturbing anything by just like taking pictures, like unless you're like legitimately probably cutting down like trees or like like rustling things up. Yeah, I don't think you you'd too many times encounter a sketchy situation like that. Yeah, we uh, one of the places we went there is um, like I don't think it was a banana, but it was kind of like a big banana leaf, and the yeah. underside of the banana leaf had like these tiny little white bats. And all I can think about is if you're just walking through the woods and just push this branch out of the way. Oh my God. They'd be all over the place. It was kind of freaky to see them like that though. And just kind of huddled up little, little white bats. It's kind of neat. That is really neat. Actually. We've actually, the past two investigations we've went on, we've been swooped by a bat. (laughs) It's like, Oh my gosh. (laughs) Like, and realistically though, like, I, I think they're really interesting creatures, but like, fuck, they're scary. Like, it's pitch black, man. I don't want to hear a fuff, 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 as you're like two feet over my head. <laughs> they're screech, man. It's what gets me. Like, it's <laughs> right. It's like, I had to fucking net one at my my parents' house back when I was a kid, and that was sketchy. I've had a net a house. I was like, too. I don't want the shot, you know, like the big ass tetanus shot. I don't want that. Like, that's rabies. <laughs> not dog. But like, oh, God. Animals in general are just so fascinating. Oh yeah, definitely. How do you feel about zoos? About what? Zoos. Like, do you do you think they're ethical or do you think they're unethical? Oh, I don't know, man. That that's that's tough. I mean, I enjoy going to them, but also I'm like, I kind of feel grindy. Yeah, like it's it doesn't feel right that they should be trapped here for my entertainment. But yeah, (laughs) you are also preserving the animal. True. 
Yeah, I don't know. Um, it's such a flip side of the coin. Yeah, I, I, I think I, I try to understand both sides of mm-hmm. these things, and like you know, we have uh, SeaWorld here, and yeah. and I haven't been there in a very very long time, and I won't go, um, just because I don't. I think the things they do probably aren't really cool, but right. um, some of the things are. I mean, if, if if they're treating the animals well, it's, you know, it's a different story, I guess. Yeah. Or, you know, if the animal maybe was injured and it has mm. no other choice of life, but to, to be there because it can't live on its own, maybe. Um, but it, it's hard. It's hard to say because you never really get the full story. And yeah, yeah. Everybody that's pushing the narrative is pushing a one-sided narrative. So yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, World the, the Blackfin Shamu. documentary like definitely opened a lot of people's eyes to like the orca side of stuff. You know, like before people probably didn't think of much of like, oh, how did they get these orcas? Well, yeah. they had to get them from somewhere and that's, yeah. they stole them right out of the ocean. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's that's they, the wild part, too. And like I seen Tolkien in person before, yeah. you know, he, he passed. And like when I was a kid and I seen him, I didn't realize that, he, you know, he was potentially a depressed upset maniac killer like i didn't think that when i was a kid i'm like look at shamu and tolkum like that's crazy (laughs) but like as an adult you look at it totally different like that was a wild animal who had no idea what was. yeah when i see like the seals and the walruses do the shows and stuff i'm like okay i like are they really enjoying this like are they really yeah and like i've swam with dolphins too and it's like you know that was probably a wild dolphin at one point and now it doesn't even know what it would it probably wouldn't be able to even survive on its own now yeah sure. now it's used to not having to hunt so it probably doesn't even think about that nature i guess that that question would be the equivalent to like do you think demons are real when we ask the paranormal <laughs> investigators <laughs> it's like yeah, yeah. That's, that's a pretty heavy loaded question it is a loaded question for sure yeah the i went to a place um this past summer in Seattle. And I think it's the first, the first like zoo environment that I've actually been to in many, many, many years, probably 10 or 15 years. Yeah. And in that, in that time, I've spent so much time a wild around wild animals. I, I kind of know them. Like if, if that makes sense, I, yeah, you, you can tell when an animal's in its environment and is happy. Um, and when I went to this place, none of the animals looked happy. And I, I ended up yeah. just kind of, sick to my stomach and and said okay i i I understand some of these animals are injured and they have them here so that people can be educated and maybe want to protect them in the future but there were a lot that just looked absolutely miserable and it it was a hard thing to to walk through just to me it didn't didn't feel right didn't seem right and it didn't sit right with me so yeah like look at the, the video of the foxes it's a perfect example where it's like they were so jovial and like playing with each other and stuff booping yeah, and then for sure. You go like to a big cat enclosure at one of the zoos that's around here, just laying and they down just lay there, and they nothing. don't ever get up or walk around and do anything. And then sometimes you'll hear them yowl for hours, and it's like, yeah, ah. yeah. yeah, let me out. <laughs> they're like, that's not right. Like there, there's there cannot be any good to this. Yeah, but I mean, maybe. There but is, you're but... right. There, there could be like it could be for its own benefit. Which I mean, we don't get the full story. I wish we fucking did. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and a lot of animals nowadays, like they've grown up in that captivity environment, they don't even know yeah. any different. So if they, if yeah. you were to put them in the wild situation, they wouldn't even know what to do. 
Yeah, they wouldn't be able to survive. I mean, look at dogs and cats. Like, they're domesticated. They've been from just years of, you know, like, just <laughs> taking them out of their, their environment that they're natural to. And then crossbreeding and then just everything that goes into domesticating animals in, in a sort where it's like, I guess you could technically domesticate anything, but like, <laughs> can you really take the dog out the dog? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm. Well, this dog is usually dog. about the time we wrap up our shows. And so we want to thank you endlessly for coming out and talking to us. We appreciate it very much. So it's definitely, I hope everyone enjoyed the, you know, change of pace for our show and kind of. Yeah. I would definitely love to have you come back on, you know, after we go through like a, a, a long list of people that we have to have returned to just to like pick your brain some more about, you know, like even like more in depth about like what are good cameras to use and things like that, you know? Yeah, right. sure. Who knows, you know, having you on here might interest someone in taking up animal photography. So it's mm -hmm. always a positive absolute or just photography in general. So or just, and I do or know. Just you just do a go lot outside. of courses and stuff. Yeah, so. just go outside. Like, it's yeah. so worth it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just go Get outside. outside. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Enjoy well, I appreciate, I appreciate you um, having me. It's been fun. Yeah, Mark Smith Photography. If you go on YouTube, you can find him at below. Mark Smith. Yep. I'll say, yeah. please, everybody that watches this after the fact, too, like, go subscribe. Go check out all of these beautiful shots. There is a lot of awesome videos yeah. and photos out here. Like, Thanks. Oh, <laughs> i'll say you make me want to be a better photographer that's for sure that's good that's the whole point <laughs> to get you encouraged to do that kind of thing and go outside yeah, like it's not discouraging whatsoever it's one of those where it's like oh i see the level i'm getting to like i'm getting there <laughs> yeah that's good well with that being said folks make sure you go subscribe to mark and all of his pages check out all of his beautiful work <laughs> And remember, folks, keep ears and eyes open for it really goes. Boom. Peace.